daddy gonna stay in school and, and graduate. You're gonna die, Klaus! You can do it! Captain Insano shows no mercy. You can do it! I love my mama very much. Now you know that. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Hello, and welcome to The Sandler Pit, the podcast that says, sorry, we're not better looking. This rings a bell. It should. God, I can't remember at all. That's because it was ages ago. It's 51st Dates. Bloody hell, that was... Remember 51st Dates, mate? Remember when the, we were on episode two? What episode is this going to be? don't know, like 20-something? It's madness. Late 20s as well, I think. Late 20s, yeah. We've done so many of these now. We're a podcast called The Sandler Pit. My name's Luke. I'm here with Luke. We're a podcast that watches every Adam Sandler film, TV show, YouTube series, appearance, and we decide whether they belong in the Sandler castle, where they'll get remembered and cherished and treated as royalty like they deserve. And that's films like The Ridiculous Six, The Hot Chick... (laughs) blended and in retrospect probably eight crazy nights but then obviously on the other side we have the pit the dreaded sandler pit where we put nightmare films like click and bedtime stories and the cobbler and but sometimes we make a mistake we put real good films like the do-over i just don't get it i mean we we don't know what we're doing probably we are just two silly boys with opinions that don't make any sense how are you feeling today luke (laughs) i'm feeling a bit (laughs) Still a bit on edge, I guess. I'm recovering, though. I'm getting there. I'm I'm learning that life is a bit greener on the other side, away from the do-over. My post-do-over yeah. life. How are you? So if uh, I'm feeling good, if no one listened to our last episode, you'll know that Luke Terry is very mad and very still very angry about that film. Yeah, being so shit. But you need to get over it now because you're not a kid anymore. You're a grown-ups too. News Same to me. as me. For anyone who doesn't know, this is. Uh, Luke Terry's birthday. My birthday special came out on my birthday, which was quite lovely, actually. That was, that was good. I wish I was having a birthday on a Wednesday, but I'm not. It's going to have been my birthday yesterday. Right. This well, is going out on the 7th of April. What? So you're telling me you're already a grown-ups? <laughs> I was a grown-ups from yesterday. We're going to be watching Grown-ups 2, the sequel to Grown-ups 1, and the sequel to our first birthday special. What's your experiences with Grown-ups 2? I've seen Grown-ups 2. I think I'm going to say... The time we watched it together that we mentioned previous in our previous episode, I think that was only the second time that I've seen it. I saw it once because, as with the first one, people told me that it was a good film. They were like, oh, you should check this out. It's Adam Sandler's funniest <laughs> film in ages. So people were saying, oh, Grown Ups 2. No, it's actually quite good. It's actually quite good. And I was having lots of conversations with my friends because quite a few of them do like Adam Sandler films. They were all saying, no, it's quite good. It's worth a watch. There's some really funny bits in it. And I remember watching it and being like, that was fucking horrendous. It got to the point where me and you were starting to watch Adam Sandler films and I recommended it because I knew it had so much silly, crazy stuff in it and that we were going to find it funny whether we were laughing with it or at it. That second time watching it, I did probably enjoy it more, but I can't say I thought it was a better film. But I am looking forward to re-watching it now that we're Sandler scholars. 
we're experts of, <laughs> of the man. How about you? Before I saw this, I saw the... Have you ever seen the Red Letter Media review of it? No, not of that one. It's like a couple of minute review and then they're talking really positively about Grown Ups 2 and how fun it is. And then progressively over the course of the review, like they start bleeding from their eyes and like <laughs> bleeding from their ears and like just losing their minds. It's like their shortest review. It's like two minutes 50. So if any of our listeners want to watch that, it's quite funny. And then, yeah, it looks horrendous. Like I remember just seeing the bit when a moose pisses in Adam Sandler's mouth. And that's in the first like three minutes that's as the well. First, yeah, it's the opening scene. I watched this with you. It was horrendous. It was yeah. the week before the UK went into the first national lockdown. It was a bizarre circumstance because it was meant to be your stag do in Prague. And then it ended up just being me and you sat alone watching films. Yeah, we were supposed depressed. to be hanging out hanging out with the boys and getting drunk and going down water slides. But instead, we had to watch Adam Sandler and his friends do it. <laughs> I was just watching you and you were just shaking your head just out of jealousy because you just <laughs> wished you were hanging out with your pals. All doing burps nuts. Yeah, this one is way worse than the first one for me, if I remember. But yeah. it's funnier because of how shit it is. They also get rid of Rob Schneider, which is good. Mm-hmm. And bring in Nick Swartzen, maybe one of the funniest people to walk the earth. <laughs> I know, I loved him in the do-over when he gets hit by a car loads of times and he like breaks his arm. As always, we have something called a Sandler scale, which is a, a list of tropes that appear in all these films, such as a Coca-Cola logo, a KFC reference, inexplicable of interest an assortment of happy madison actors we put them on a bingo sheet and then we see who hits the most tropes we're not doing that this week we are not because this week we're gonna do a different version we would both still have standard scales in our usual sense we usually take nine of these tropes each and make them into like a bingo sheet but instead of just ticking it the one time that they appear instead we're gonna like have a shot or take a drink every time that certain things happen. I think that the best way to do this, though, is to engineer it to be lots of things that we know will happen multiple times, like hitting nuts and Sandler shouts, rather than just like Peter Dante, because he only appears once. Unless we have a drink every time they appear. It's like Kevin James, (laughs) you're literally drowning in Jaeger. (laughs) Are we going to have the same one or different ones? What do you think? I think think different, maybe. Then when we come back, we'll see who's more drunk. One of us is just... just (laughs) Constantly. One like, of us is sober had, and has to deal with the other one. I had burp snout 20 times and every time he does it, I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> doing another <laughs> shot. I'm glad because I thought you meant you wanted all 60-something tropes and every time one showed up, we no, do one. that's insane. Killers. We have to be able to host the remainder of the podcast afterwards. We can't let that go to mess just because we've got drunk watching Grown Ups too. Yeah, and then, as always, we're going to play a little Sandler game and then we're going to have a little... Uh, Sandler gift opening. Oh yeah. Someone's been very good this year and he gets a little uh Sandler <laughs> gift. <laughs> As we both know, this one is very trope heavy, this film. So I think chances are that the Sandler scale is gonna end badly, that we're gonna both be quite tipsy and that the rest of our review isn't gonna make much sense. Yeah, so apologies up top. I think though it'll be funnier if we get so drunk we then try and talk about it and it, the recording is that bad we have to come back hungover and record it again i have a horrible feeling that it could be very possible we'll need to do it over <laughs> everyone grab your uh tire i think that's in this film isn't it yep yep that's yeah, in this grab film. your tire jump inside roll down the lovely hill into the pit we go because <laughs> we're gonna watch grown-ups too it's time to play basketball with stone cold steve austin <laughs> oh it's taylor lautner's in this as well sick Freeze, Shaq is about to arrest you. I'm very excited to rewatch this <laughs> one. Too.
Okay, right. see you later. You are now listening to the Sandler Pit. There's a raft in there? And we're back. We've both watched Grown Ups 2. We've both played the Sandler Scale as a drinking game. It's been quite a different experience from the Ooh. last time that we watched Grown Ups 2, which was when um, I was supposed to be having my stag do in a world that COVID didn't exist. It's been roughly a year since yourself and I have watched Grown Ups 2 for the first time together. Yeah, definitely by the time this comes out, it will have been a, a year. But instead, here we go. We've watched it for a second time as a pair, but in different houses. Luke Thomas, what is the story of Grown Ups 2? Grown Ups 2 kind of builds off the, the first one a bit. But now Lenny Fedder, who's Adam Sandler, he doesn't live in, the, uh, in Hollywood anymore. He's decided to move back to his quaint hometown. Basically, Grown Ups 2... It's almost like an art house film in that it doesn't really have a plot. It's just the events in the life of these lads on the first day of summer. Yeah, like events happen and they unfold and it's pretty decent. What do you, what do you, what do you think of uh, Grown Ups 2? That's a very good question. <laughs> the first time that me and you watched Grown Ups together, we were both like drink in hand, but we weren't drink every time that there's a misogynistic joke or every Jesus. time that Adam Sandler shouts on screen or every time he wears big shorts, for example. I'll say up top. So we had our Sandler scale this time as a, a drinking game. I drank eight beers <laughs> in, the, in the hour and 40 minutes. No, it was seven beers I've drank. This is my eighth that I'm just drinking. There's a lot of tropes that are used endlessly. I'll get into that in a bit when we do our Sandler scale properly. But I was non-stop drinking but you were a bit of a tricky a tricky boy because on mine i have to drink every time kevin james is on screen and he yeah. is one of the main cast members <laughs> every time he appeared i had to have a drink spoilers for the santa scale here but to rival that i had chris rock every time on screen and peter dante every time that he was in like a new scene that's yeah. shocking that's too many times but yeah i think this film is the perfect film to watch if you're making it into a drinking game i think that if our stupid little podcast has any effect on the world it will be creating the sandler scale drinking game because i think that is the closest thing that you could get to having fun with these films maybe this film isn't good in any no, way. Not. I think we knew that. That was why we were like, let's just like get drunk to watch it. It works a lot better as a drunk film than it does as a sober film. 100%. I don't know. How How do you feel about that? Absolutely. Like, I, I don't like this film when we watched it a year ago I hated it watching it when you've had eight beers surprisingly makes it a little bit more palatable in the final scene of the film spoiler alert I did cry <laughs> it makes everything more impactful uh, it is a very funny drinking game because they do so many shit jokes constantly but yeah I had a lot of fun watching it last time that we did a grown-ups film you suggested that we should dress up like really smart for this you wore a suit and I wore I think a, a dinosaur jumper which is very gross up but this time i've gone for a, a turtleneck and a blazer um, you've gone for a blazer as well but i can't really see it i'm quite dark in this basically you said just before we recorded you appeared in this very suave get up and you're like why are you not dressed smart because i'm dressed absolutely fucking disgusting today in the spirit of grown-ups i am wearing a, a big fuck off pair of shorts <laughs> and sandals uh, and like a top i've gone for a blazer over the top of it to make me look like a uh, grown-up when i'm in the frame i look quite smart but yeah yeah it's as soon as you see what is actually hidden underneath Thank you would you. not believe how smart this man looks right now <laughs>
Should we get going in our chat about growing up soon? Yeah, man. Should we go through it scene by scene? Yeah. This episode is going to be like three fucking hours long. I can't say that I made like a note for every scene because they were all a bit of a, a bit of a mess, right? I was making more notes about like directly what was happening so I could kind of remember it for here. Uh, mm-hmm. So the film starts with them in bed together and then a big <laughs> horrible CGI idea comes in and starts pissing on Adam Sandler's face. Yeah, It's a really good start to the film. What I did notice this time around was that he was eating a little bowl of crisps that he had at the side of his bed. <laughs> also in this scene with the deer, there's like a part when the deer starts like trying to like drink water out of the dog's bowl and the dog has the same CGI eyes as what we've seen in like the animal and hot chick and a few others i think we saw it in ridiculous ridiculous clips yeah Yeah, the donkey definitely Yeah, the donkey yeah there is so much shouting in this opening scene i was messaging (laughs) you throughout but on my sandler scale i had shouting sandler and violent kids oh no alone he shouts at least six times and these kids threaten to like destroy this deer i finished a beer within like the first maybe like 10 minutes i think it might have Mm. been the deer is a big part of it and he comes back later on right yeah the deer comes back into the climax of the film which i don't want to get into yet but that was like avengers endgame (laughs) he was so excited that's kind of sets the tone of the film and him being very unsentimental to his kid's toy that he like froze to be eaten by a big deer yeah for some reason adam sandler like he loves his own childhood but hates everyone else's Yeah, he does. That's that's fair, right? That carries on the themes of the last one, which we watched for my birthday, which was like, um, he he has this very nostalgic view of the past, but he thinks that all modern kids are dickheads. This is taken to the nth degree here because it basically culminates in a fist fight with loads of college kids because he's so much cooler and better than them. Very fair. So we get introduced to every character of the grown-ups. Rob Schneider's gone, so how do you feel about that? Are you happy Rob Schneider's gone? Yeah, I'm glad that Rob Schneider's gone. He's in the first film, and he sucks. Did you enjoy this more than the first one? Yeah, I think so. Same, and both times, even when I was sober watching it at yours, and then drunk watching it now, I preferred this one. I think this one's sillier, it's funnier, there's more jokes and gags, not necessarily that land, but I think that there's certain scenes which are way better than anything that's in the first one, and a lot more memorable as well. Over the last year, we've mentioned this film almost weekly. We talk about this one a lot more than the first one. Yeah. So yeah, we get introduced to all the characters. How are they different from the last one? The biggest difference between this film and the last one is that now, for some reason, Adam Sandler and his family have moved to the small town that they went to for a vacation. Not really a big explanation of that, but now they all live in the same small town. They're all planning to have a big party in this small town that they all came to for a holiday and now they will live in. Yeah, I want to know, like, so in the first one, I, I can't remember that film. It's been so long since we watched it. Kevin James, Rob Schneider, Chris Rock, David Spade, they didn't live in the town either. They all no. lived far away. They'd not seen the coach in years. And yet here, they have all given up on their lives and jobs. <laughs> and they've all just to move back. And the weirdest one for this is Adam Sandler's wife, played yeah. by Thalma Hayek. So she was an international fashion designer in the first film. <laughs> and then in this one, she works in a local boutique in this horrible town. Why? There's like jokes about how her shop is so like small and no one comes in. One of the people working at the shop that Salma Hayek owns says something along the lines of like, oh yeah, I can take the rest of the day off. No one's going to come in. Yeah. So She's gone she from is- like Milan Fashion Week to... 
only in a really small shop that no one cares about. It's the same thing that we see in like Mr. Deeds <laughs> and stuff. And I, I mean, I've had on about Mr. Deeds all fucking day long, but like, it's his love interest just giving up on their dreams <laughs> just to fulfill his dreams. And that's kind of the, I guess, if there's a story, it's he doesn't want to be a dad again even though he's obscenely rich he's got a very nice wife he's got great kids but he hates the idea of being a dad again and then it turns out the reason why she's upset that he doesn't want to is because she's actually pregnant i'm Mm -hmm. jumping way ahead here (laughs) in sandler's introduction as well there is also a fourth wall breaking joke about how he always has beautiful wives did you catch this I did catch that. I really enjoyed that. It would only be in a Hollywood movie that someone who looks like him could get with someone as attractive as Salma Hayek, which I guess is a a funny joke. But he's with Jackie Sandler, who's like very, very attractive and very funny in all these films. And they seem to have a lovely relationship. So it's not not like he's like a fucking massive loser in reality, is he? Yeah, he's not like silly upset about that. (laughs) (laughs) So we go from all of them. Kevin James, his thing in this film is that he's having an affair, except the affair is that he goes over to his mum's to watch soap operas, but doesn't tell his wife. Yeah, That's bizarre. Was Kevin James a character you had to drink every time they were on screen? Yes, which I really enjoyed because I love Kevin James. I love Kevin James's YouTube channel. Every time I see him since that, like, I don't know, there's something nice about him. I'm like, every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's Kevin, which was to the nth degree here because I was just drinking every time I fucking saw his face. Another thing is that he's worried about his kid because his kid's bad at maths and English and, and spelling. And he's like, oh, my kids can't do any of this stuff. Chris Rock is living and he's, I nearly had something for my Sandler scale straight away here, but it turned out it was a fake poo. So he has this weird twerking baby that has a full nappy and the nappy it turns out to be an expensive necklace for his wife's 20th anniversary and she forgot the anniversary <gasps> that fucking kid chris rock's kid again spoilers for the santa scale we're going to talk about that a lot more in detail shortly on my santa scale i had chris rock appears in a scene and also fart joke one of chris rock's kids was just a walking fart joke essentially it was like oh have you landed another diaper grenade i don't think the kid even had a name the kid it, did not have a name it was Weird. constant joke about how this kid was shitting himself. So I had to drink every time that the kid did like a fart or was going to drop another bomb. And also I had to drink every time Chris Rock appeared in the fucking film. (laughs) You're preaching to the choir right now. I had poo on mine. I was drinking, thinking it was a poo. It turned out to be a necklace. (laughs) Imagine how I felt. (laughs) That's his storyline. It's it's shit. Then we've got David Spade. (laughs) He's got a great story here. Is David Spade's character like the best in this film? No, he's maybe the worst. (laughs) Hate him. Do you not think there's something in that storyline of him having this kid who's obviously a 30-year-old man who wants to kill him? I really like the storyline, yeah. It's very funny. He's, like, expecting this little kid and he's got, like, a teddy bear and literally a massive man walks off. He's huge. He's about 6'2", 6'3". He's got tattoos all over him. He's got a little David Spade wig on and a little David Spade beard and he is very, very funny. Not necessarily good, but, like, very (laughs) funny. not good. I like that he is 13, canonically. (laughs) Brayden. (laughs) Brayden. Aiden Spade. Possibly um, my favourite character from like an early point. The first thing he does is he pulls out like a picture and it's a stick man with a little hat on and it says him and he's yeah. like, oh, you're him. <laughs> So oh. the next grown-up that we get introduced to is Nick Swartzen, who we, <laughs> we both right. said we kind of like. Right, I want to contend this, because you keep saying he's a grown-up in this film. He's not one of the grown-ups. If you're saying he's a grown-up, then Peter Dante's a grown-up, and so is Shaq. 
and so yeah. is uh, Timmy Meadows. They're all grown-ups too. Yeah, I think they're all oh. grown-ups. I think that the qualifications to be a grown-up is that you've grown up in this town, but you're also still a child. Stone Cold Steve Austin, he's the most yeah. grown-up. Wiley, Wiley, played by Steve Buscemi, he's still grown-up as well. He's a grown-up. And then who's his Lenny Fedder's big rival? Spoiler yeah, his alert. enemy from the first one. I... I got goosebumps at a bit with them two on screen. Pure cinematic magic. I'll, we'll get into it later. We're going through chronologically. Then. So basically, the grown-up from the first one appears right he is lenny fedder's son's boss yeah dickie bailey paid by colin quinn but yeah he's a good addition to the the kind of main cast so nick swardson he has your hair in this film not how my hair is not, right now your usual hair where you have uh, the short sides and a big top but he takes it extra mile doesn't he? yeah yeah, man, because your hair actually looks good. His is like if you went to the seaside and had a caricature drawn of yourself, you would look like Nick Swanson in this film. It's not real, is it? Surely it's a wig. I have no idea. He plays a bus driver. How did he get fucking employed? I, I think most of the questions you have watching this film are aimed at Nick Swanson and his character, right? Yeah, probably. He, he used, So he, he gets introduced. He's trying to pick up uh, Lenny Fedder's kids. He's massively high on pills and medication he says that he had a wife for a couple of weeks but she left him because she saw him using a banana as a dildo at his mother-in-law's house <laughs> this guy really needs help man <laughs> he's he's really struggling this whole film i don't know what he's doing then uh, lenny fedder takes over as the bus driver does he work anymore it doesn't seem like lenny fedder's doing anything anymore nick swarton says that he was caught eating a banana with his butt yeah, that's that's him using it as like a dildo, probably. So it's not just a dildo though. He was literally like he was putting, putting a banana up his ass <laughs> and, and getting <laughs> chew. He was receiving nutrients from putting a banana in his ass. Adam Sandler takes over the school bus and is obviously like some sort of weird local hero that everyone loves. Yeah, they all love him. What I want to know about America. Well, in the UK, for me, for example, if I want to drive a car, I have to get insurance on that car. I have to register, be the registered driver. I have to pay my road tax and all that. And then as well as that, I'm assuming, and I can't speak for school bus drivers, but I'm assuming they need a DBS clearance from the school and the government to say that they're all right working around kids. I'm not going to get into why Nick Swanson is working for that, but how the fuck can Lenny Fedder drive a fucking school bus when he's definitely not insured on a gigantic bus? He's probably not got the license to drive a bus if the bus crashed and he killed all those kids he'd go to prison forever right yeah there's literally no reason <laughs> for him to be able to drive that school bus and he God. drives it very casually like he's having conversations with all his friends about their relationship problems and stuff yeah he's just getting away with it it's fine it's fun is it fun though because i don't feel like adam Sandler <laughs> has any jokes in this film i got it. well there's a kid who's bullying his son mm-hmm. and and he goes hey mariah carey hair hey you're he beanbag says, with arms and legs he says the kids are walking beanbag something like that yeah i just don't get any of it i don't get why lenny fedder and his kids are all living here now in this small town after they've grown up on the hills of hollywood with like voss water coming out of their taps and stuff now they live in this small town and their day-to-day life is like their drunk drugged up nick swarton bus driver but their day-to-day is also fucking sick time because it's the start of summer and skimming rocks (laughs) skimming rocks there's no goddamn plague hitting one of the lads he's a prodigy at football the other one is hitting it off with babes It's right like, okay let's let's dreams. jump in here this is a good place for us to have a bit of a chat right <laughs> so we've watched grown-ups one together how many years are there between grown-ups one and two i don't know but like 
in Grown Ups 1, there's a person who carries the oldest son in her arms. In Grown Ups 2, that lad is about 50. So I'm like, how much time's passed? This is exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it. I was like, how much of a growth spurt did that kid have? He's huge now. So he's his name is Jake Goldberg. He plays Greg Fedder. It's three years, man, like teenagers. They just skyrocket, don't they, probably? Yeah, no, it's like, fair enough. I, I had I was, a real growth spurt between being like 12 and 15. I was, I was going to say, what were, you like, what were you like at 12 and what were you like at 15? At 12, <laughs> I was a very big fan of like GTA 4 and a lot of super noodles. That was probably like my main source of uh, nutrients. And then at what what would we say 15 after that it was a different person fair play but like did you had long hair big big in, long hair in both situations i think i had long hair yeah you had long hair in both so when i was let's say like 12 or something i was like an obese kid i was a real chubby lad and i used to like eat donuts every single day i was a big boy when i was 15 i was eight stone like a little skinny lad i just stretched out like mike tv and charlie in the chocolate factory and I had a shaved head. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> like, me at 15 is a fucking broken looking boy. I think me at 12 yeah. versus me at 15 was like kind of a natural progress. Whereas yours is very different. It <laughs> sounds like you went to juvie at about 13 and a half. Yeah, my school picture of when I was in year 10 is me like really skinny. Like looking all like fucking insane with this big shaved head. Are we in agreement that Greg Fedder may be puberty hit and he grew? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. He looks a lot older than he did in the first one. So I think in the first one, you could watch it and you'd think him and the other kid, his brother, are like almost the a similar age. age. And then this one comes around and that growth spurt hits massively, right? We've seen Nick Swarton driving the bus and then Adam <laughs> they, Sandler takes over. He picks up all his pals and then he really injures Nick Swarton like he's using him as a weekend at Bernie's thing. And then we end up cutting to the women at a spin class or something it's similar to the first one that the men are all perverts which we see in a a few scenes later pretty lechy and gross the women are also very lecherous and gross i guess that's this film's disturbing form of kind of gender equality because (laughs) everyone's horrible (laughs) what's that guy's name the guy who plays the instructor in this film (laughs) oliver hudson uh so it's kate hudson's uh son the stepchild to uh, Kurt Russell. This guy is great. Have you ever seen Rules of Engagement? Oh, I've not. So he's one of the main characters in Rules of Engagement with David Spade. From what I remember, and I haven't watched an episode in maybe nine years, but I remember him being the best one in it. <laughs> he was really funny. And in this, he plays a, a gym instructor who they all fancy and all are very gross about. But yeah. he's gay, so it's fine. It's just the film, again, is making like shortcuts for itself, right? There's no drama about them all fancying this guy because he's gay. You'd think, though, that if this film was trying to set up drama that Lenny Fedder was worried that his wife has been unfaithful that they wouldn't reveal the fact that he was gay immediately. They would let the audience and him be in the dark about it when it is just him in the dark about it. I don't know. It's shit. (laughs) So the next scene chronologically is that when they go to Kmart for about an hour and they just go shopping and hanging out. Jonathan Loughran's there and he's really funny in this scene. They're talking about this jump that you can do into the water and he's like, "Eh, my mum did that jump when she was pregnant with me. And like one of his eyes is in the middle of his head the implication being that he's like the way he is because his mum jumped into a fucking like 100 foot drop 
<laughs> yeah. Water. yeah, Kmart. That sequence lasts a long time, right? Uh, we've also got the Nick Swarton falls asleep in the bed in like a model house, right? Um, they're showing how good the bedroom is in this house, and then he gets <laughs> up, takes shit, also in like the model bathroom in the house. <laughs> My favorite scene of the film is there's a raft in there, pulls the cord, the boat comes out, and it knocks him over. <laughs> always makes me laugh it doesn't knock him over it makes him go flying and through several <laughs> shelving units it's fantastic during this we're interspersed with the school stuff we've got alan covert as a teacher and in the kmart bit we're introduced to timmy meadows from the blast film his catchphrase is him going what most improved do you think? what do you mean from the last one most improved from the fi- from the first film timmy yes meadows because he's given something to do. He's very funny here. The jokes are all about him being bald and his weird family, including his son, who's my favourite part of the film, Bumpty. Bumpty is a genius character creation. (laughs) He's very funny. Basically, the whole plot is he fancies Chris Rock's daughter and Tim Meadows has said to Bumpty, ask her out. And then he does some gross things with his hand on the last day of school. And then Bumpty shows up and he has got a CD round his neck as a necklace. Two wristwatches. <laughs> he is so funny. And he's just trying to pull Chris Rock's daughter in a gym sequence. And it's genius. I'll say it here. I think we spoke about this before. But like the first time I watched this film, every time Bumpty was on screen, I was like, what the fuck is this? Who is this character? We've not seen him in the previous film. He's a 15 year old and he's bald <laughs> but also has an afro i don't know i didn't understand him at all the first time i watched it he's based on that character from that sitcom i can't remember every time i saw him since the first time i watched this film i went from like really hating him now i'm like every time he turns up i'm probably gonna laugh the guy playing him's funny yeah he's very funny in this yeah, i've just looked it up i think he's based on steve urkel uh, from okay. family matters a character is got big glasses and big suspenders and he's just like a big stereotypical nerd i think a lot of people hated that and his yeah. catchphrase is uh did i do that is that his catchphrase did I do that? It's a bit like that. There's one here, it's like, I've fallen and I can't get up. It's one of his uh, catchphrases. Yeah, Bumpty, I guess, is a modern day Urkel. At our age, 26, being British, all of that stuff, Urkel doesn't mean anything to us, right? It means nothing to me. We can both say um, that quite safely. Yeah. So we don't get those references, but Bumpty is arguably the best character of all time. Every time he, he's in it, he's going like, what up, player? I'm here to, to like take out your daughter. And then he's getting things thrown at him and he's going, what? There's uh, two cops in this film uh, who appear around this time when the the grown-ups, they're leaving Kmart, played by Shaquille O'Neal, who, in a plot twist very early on, is revealed to be Timmy Meadows' younger brother. And he has the same receded hairline. And then Peter Dante doing a Scarface impression. Peter Dante is doing a Scarface impression while also playing a character called Peter Dante. (laughs) Yep, I noticed that. We watched this film together a year ago, and that would have meant zilch but now we're watching this and we're like fucking hell he's he's playing himself as a policeman (laughs) here's what's interesting i think about him in this that this is his last film role yeah and he he makes it count doesn't he he does make it count but why why is he not been in one since i miss him i love peter yeah god god knows what happened between this because i would say peter dante his equivalent is alan covert and Mm. at this point they've got alan covert playing a teacher in this film and he 
barely talks. He doesn't really have much of a, a plot. Whereas Peter Dante is like the butt of multiple punchlines. Peter Dante in this is very well, I hazard to say funny, but I did laugh. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny too. anymore. He goes, I am the law, because he says he'll give them a police escort. Whilst both of them are shooting their guns out of the window <laughs> into the air, the school bus is behind them with Nick Swanson surfing on top. I think he says, I am the law, multiple times. And one of those times he is surfing on his bum down the roof of a house <laughs> into a swimming pool. I know that's coming up, but can I just say whilst we're on that topic, his body is very strange. In some scenes, he has a very defined six-pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Did you he see his does. odd dad six-pack? Yeah, strangely ripped in this, Peter Dan. <laughs> very strangely ripped. We've not mentioned John Lovitz. Yeah, and we, we did mention John Lovitz, so that's important for this next. We love it, John Lovitz. <laughs> we love that guy. Yeah. John Lovitz appears as like this, is he the horrible. janitor of the gym? Yeah, he's a horrible nightmare pervert as is everyone in this universe. He pretends he's leading the class just to get people to bend over and slap their asses in front of him. And then he makes an appearance at the school dance recital as a a guy who's filming the woman who's coordinating it. Everyone in that scene is fucking disgusting. Oh, that scene is the worst. It goes on for maybe an hour. It's just strange. But it does result in her husband is Stone Cold Steve, Austin. Yeah, so we should probably jump in here. Like, the scene is that all of the small young girls are doing a ballet recital, right? Mm. Adam Sandler's daughter in the film and also Adam Sandler's real daughter. They're all doing, like, ballet. Adam Sanders watching it they're all saying oh it's so cute Kevin James David Spade all of that they're all looking at the teacher they're ogling over her very bad and she's Eastern European I think Russian maybe they're all treating it like it's a a strip club right David Spade gets David Spade pulls notes out yeah the joke about pulling notes out does have a very very funny payoff a little bit later in the film with different characters different setup here yeah it's very gross this whole scene's really disgusting in this scene Peter Dante says I might arrest her for disturbing the peace in my pants what the fuck accent was that <laughs> I don't know he I don't know what... foghorn leg on at the end I think that's what he said that's how I'll he say, says I'll it say, yeah he is kind of doing like a weird sort of like He's southern American it. accent I thought he was doing a fucking uh, Scarface disturbing the person in my pants it's a bit like that I'm gonna arrest her for disturbing the peace in my pants that was, that was, now that was very good if you'd sent that in you would be in this film <laughs> But Tommy yeah, Cap- it leads to Steve Austin's reveal as being Tommy Cabin, basically the, the villain of this film. No, no, really. but yeah. So he's in it, and he is a guy who used to bully Adam Sandler maybe in the past. He's uh, huge, bald, got a beautiful wife. I can't remember what happened then, but I think they go to have ice cream, and that's when the ice cream machine is shitting. Someone does a hair plug joke about David Spade that really made me laugh. Because yeah. I did write, hair plug joke is so good, but I can't remember the joke. <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> But the guy, we've already said it's his rival from the first film. He's quite good in this, I guess, or as good as anyone can be. So the next scene is the two lads are at the gorge and they're offered some beer by some college kids and they pretend to be freshmen. Can I jump in here, though? Yeah. yeah. So we know that David Spade has gone to meet his violent son at the train station, right? Yeah. And enrolled him in the school. In one day. He's re- enrolled him for one fucking day. I didn't notice that at the time, but my fiance pointed it out. And then from then onwards, I was fuming. And this was like 25 minutes into the film. I was like, why has he come into the school for one day? Because he doesn't want to hang out with him. David Spade hates him. I'm trying to defend it here. 
I think the setup is kind of like, oh, I don't want to hang out with this kid even for a day. Let's just enroll him at the school. Maybe. This school I, I don't know about a... you, but I felt knackered at this point. I call the, the kids, I call them responsible uh, <laughs> Americans. Not drinking until they're 21 or whatever. Why are Americans so weird about alcohol, but not weird about teaching their kids to be perverts? There, I said it. Don't drink until you're 21, but let's just uh, objectify the fucking dancing instructor in front of everyone. Very good point. Bastards. This is where we get introduced to the second best character of the film, Taylor Lautner. Mm. How good is Taylor Lautner in this film? He's fun. He is a lot of fun. You're right. He is a jock who keeps on doing like sort of flips, very elaborate handshakes with his friends. He's like a stereotypical uh, frat boy. He's like constantly going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting really angry with these old men for living in this town still. And they're like the young guys who rule this town. So that establishes the major antagonistic force of the film. These boys who bully Adam Sadler into jumping off a cliff naked. Quite weak as an antagonist though, right? Oh yeah, they're very, very I think weak. we can both agree, like, this is not Shooter McGavin. This is not <laughs> Morty the Angel of Death from Click. <laughs> this is a very weak antagonist. They all have to jump off the cliff and then David Spade goes inside Kevin James's ass. Because he lads on him. Yeah, I've got that in capital letters here. Um, the quote is, I was inside of you. <laughs> After jumping off the cliff, Chris Rock says, no one's scared of black guys anymore. Damn you, Obama. <laughs> Good joke. Whatever. My fiance pointed this out. Adam Sandler's wearing a red and black striped top and huge shorts. And he looks just like Dennis the Menace, but as a 50-year-old man having a breakdown. Right, I don't want to get into the big shorts because I had that on my Sandler scale. For fuck's sake, you're an insidious prick for doing this to me. <laughs> because this film is set on the first day of summer. Everyone is wearing big shorts constantly, <laughs> every fucking time. And Adam Sandler wears about five to seven pairs of different shorts every scene. Except for the end where he's dressed as Bruce Springsteen He's wearing shorts I was drinking constantly Every time I did it I went Fuck you for making me do shorts In a summer set film There's a lot of shorts man Hey how good is the tyre scene That's my next note, the tyre Why is this happening? The CGI tyre with Spade and some fake vomit It's a brilliant comedy set piece Do you think? No, but I mean, it's a big CGI tyre and it hits Nick Swarton and there's some bits that could, like Shaquille O'Neal does like a, a slide over his police car and because he's so big, he just dents the whole middle of it. He kicks off the police car door and then he stands out and the tyre just bounces off his gigantic body mm-hmm. and then David Spade releases this gigantic stream of sick. I wrote down, wouldn't he just be a big sack of skin and blood at that point? He has been pulverised in that yeah. gigantic tyre. Well, you'd imagine so, wouldn't you? Do you think that was the start of the CGI vomit in the sound of films? Maybe. I've seen I, it since then in like um, the do-over, Hubie Halloween and a few others, but CGI vomit becomes like a staple of the Happy Madison Netflix era. This one is the worst. This is very strong stream of sick mm-hmm. coming out of that tire. I was laughing at how ridiculous it was. It wasn't funny, but it, it was silly. And I'm all for silly at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, but silly kind of does it for us, doesn't it now? If someone transfers me £2,000, I will get in a big tire and see what that does to my horrible body <laughs> how is he not dead going on from this we have i would say big unearned heartfelt moment of this film 
the scene yeah. where Adam Sandler and his son are having a, a nice bonding session over American football. Yeah, I wrote down Adam Sandler's sperm producer sports stars because his son is so good at American football, they attract the attention of all these onlookers because he's so good at kicking the ball through the big exactly uh, yeah and Adam posts and Adam Sandler hasn't done anything to like maintain this goal or this skill or this talent he's just sort of like been fucking around in this town driving <laughs> driving the school bus around and stuff he hasn't been teaching his kids to be good at like American football he's just been pissing about and also his wife doesn't want him to play football with his son I don't understand that whole thing of don't tell your mother what that you're playing yeah, that, sport. That's like a big th- theme throughout this film, only shown by that the Salma Hayek character and Kevin James's wife. Yeah, they're both very negative about their spouses doing anything, but for no apparent reason. Because it is confusing. Because yeah, Salma Hayek really doesn't want her son playing football. There's no explanation. No reason for it. But I mean, her reason, I guess, is justified because her son has glass bones. Because Adam Sandler lands on him and shatters his leg. Egg, meaning you'll have to wear a cast for the whole of summer. No good, is it? <laughs> the next scene is Steve Buscemi. His character, Wiley, is back, but as a driving yeah. instructor this time. I realised too late. I forgot that this is a sequel. And we've already seen this guy as the animal. He was the crazy guy who'd do anything crazy. And he ends up in a full body cast. Who mm-hmm. let this guy become a fucking driving instructor? <laughs> crazy, right? And he references his time in the first Grown Ups film. He puts his arms up like in a U shape. And he says something along the lines of like, Ah, very funny from last time when I was a girl. I can't remember who it's <laughs> to, but he puts his arms I didn't up. Catch that. That's really funny. God, there's so much happen in this film that are yeah, a lot does happen for a film with no like, story, right? Like, there's a bit where Chris Rock goes to his mother-in-law's house while she's having a poo to then say, "Oh, I'll come back tomorrow," like because he's a ca- a person who does cable. Why doesn't he just fucking do it for her? Because it's yeah. his mother-in-law. We're almost at my fa- favorite scene of the film. I'm really excited. I want to rush through it. Kevin yeah. James, I wrote he's been caught cheating on his wife with his mum because they're watching they watch soap operas together and he doesn't tell her that he's there weird I don't get it and then they're driving home and he goes like oh I was perving on a woman earlier and she's like right I was perving on a man earlier and he goes he better have been gay what the fuck are you talking about say that yeah, something that was like, was he gay or something? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, thank God. He's horrible. Why the fuck is he allowed to do this? But she's not. Anyway, they're both horrible people. They go to a car wash and he's like, I've got a, she's like, I've got a treat for you. And he's like, oh, yeah. Is this oh, your yeah. favourite scene? This is my favourite scene. And he's like, oh, yeah. They, all these women are going to wash my car. And he's being all gross. They go, oh, we're busy. We've got to wash this car in front. But don't worry. We've got another two <laughs> who can wash your car. And then it hard cuts to the Lonely Island. <laughs> And yeah. uh, a few SNL cast members all like wearing like little tiny little shorts and tiny tops <laughs> all like dancing and like washing the car. One of them like licks the suds off the window. Yeah, <laughs> licking so, some cream. I love The Lonely Island. Yeah, I was watching it this too. morning. I think of um, the song Jack Sparrow at least three times a day. Yeah, I think I've definitely said a few times how much I like Popstar Never Stop Stopping. Uh, I loved Great Palm film. Springs, which is a bit different. It's like kind of a drama. I think it was my favourite film of 2020. So yeah. some, some quick hitters here. We've got, after Kevin James has been scared of being caught with his mum, we've got Dennis Dugan appearing as a doctor who tells Adam Sandler that he broke his son's leg. Was that Dugan? 
Yeah, so. that was Dugan right there, the director of Grown Ups 2. Wiley is now a driving instructor and he is taking Greg Feddick into the same car wash that the Lonely Islander are at. He's getting the cheerleaders, right? Greg Fedder? The one who's getting the driving lesson is Chris Rock's son. No, no, yeah, you're right there. You're right there. Yeah. They're like drinking a beer together, him and Steve Buscemi, <laughs> whilst watching loads of women dance. It's very nerving that scene but the lonely a lot, of th- a lot of this film is like stuff that you would definitely report if you were in this town right yeah the lonely island scene is so funny though that's the payoff to the scene earlier uh, she like puts like a dollar bill in akiva Schaefer's mouth yeah <laughs> it's very funny it's good my fucking notes at this point this is when the beers start to hit i think there's Shaq- a quote from steve Buscemi. the site are you taking your driving test while drunk because taylor lawton has turned up and been like ah, yeah Hey man, Boomer. They call him Boomer. Is that is that oh, the name? Boomer. Sorry, at the car wash, Shaq is getting washed, and then Peter Dante starts helping to wash him whilst being like really happy. That's what I'm trying to read. And then they David... have a scene where they where all of the families are having their own different like separate dinner scenes. Yeah, this is right. a montage. But we have David Spade. He likes a very muscular woman, and then also he likes the pizza delivery woman. Bumpty comes to pick up Chris Rock's daughter. At this point, Chris Rock has emptied maybe four separate cans of Pepsi into a big jug. <laughs> this is insanity. Why is he producing Pepsi? Why didn't he get bottles? But anyway, he's emptied four cans of Pepsi with the logo on like this <laughs> to the camera into a jug and then Bumpty goes to the door and he goes what up player I'm here to pick up your daughter and the whole jug goes in his face and he goes, I wrote the note at this point at this point I wrote the note I hate Bumpty I love Bumpty <laughs> I think that he's kind scared of scared of frogs <laughs> He's really scared of frogs if he says a dinosaur. There's also, I've not even mentioned, the woman who works in the boutique is obsessed with Sandler because they went out when they were children. That woman is also married to Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. This film has got so many plots going on. It's incredibly intricately written when it comes to like the characters Um, and how they know each other. At the same time, incredibly badly written. Um, Greg Fedder asks out a girl using his dad's advice exactly, and she says yes because his dad is always right about Mm -hmm. everything. She's pregnant, I wrote, this is big news. (laughs) Adam Sandler's wife is pregnant at this moment, and he compares menopause to schizophrenia. Terrible bloke, terrible situation. But then your attention gets diverted from the fact that Kevin James is now dressed as meatloaf. And he has a big dinghy and a fanny pack that he releases and knocks out all his mates and then he stands on a table and it gets destroyed. This film is a fucking fever dream. That ain't Bumpty, that's my wife. That's my wife, that's the exact thing I was just looking at. That's a quote that gets said in this film. There's a few different outfits. The muscular woman's dressed as Hulk Hogan, Donald Trump. David uh, Spade cries into Hulk Hogan woman. Swardson is Boy George. Boy George. Jonathan Jonathan Loughran as Donald Donald Trump. Trump. Dated very badly that, I guess. I think this is 2013. Kevin James's son can play the piano. (laughs) Yeah, he's real good at playing the piano. Can we just talk about the fact that so much happens in this film? We've gone to the point where Kevin James's kid doesn't know that 2 plus 8 equals 10. He thinks it's 28. But now he can play the fur release on the piano. Yeah. And also, this is the first time Kevin James has even implied that he likes his son because he's finally found out he's a genius. And then he does a burp snort and then he says, Your dad's a genius too. It's like immediately with the devices, <laughs> this huge. Yeah, he's a massive idiot. Chronicle. From there, we cut to the famous song that goes, according to my notes, 
do 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 we've mentioned this okay the song is called centerfold and it's by the jay giles band that's in every film every adam sandler film has the song centerfold the band are actually in this film they're performing at lenny fedder's house party oh dear it's very silly and he tries to drug his daughter so he can go and hang out uh and then he finds out that his wife isn't having an affair with the guy because it turns out he's gay uh, there's a dog chugging beer i wrote dante is so ripped this is insane <laughs> is that when he he shouts <laughs> he's i am the top. law and he rollerblades <laughs> across the roof and jumps in the pool what this film is so good <laughs> i've put nick swarton is naked as boy george Naked because of global warming, and he has also peed himself. So then Stone Cold Steve Austin shows up and he's like, I'm going to fight you, Sammer. And he gets in the middle and he's like, your boy's watching. My boy's serving in Afghanistan. I'm going to pretend that you've knocked me out to help your son. It's so silly. Adam Stander is so hung up on, like, childhood buddies. He's so He's so obsessed with it. Is this in a lot of the films? I can't even think. So many. I'm thinking anger management, you know, the kid who Mm. turns out to be John C. Riley giving him wedgies. Mm. Also previous, like, grown-ups films. I don't know. He's obsessed with people being bullied in their childhood. He's obsessed with it. There's always, like, a bunch of people who are very antagonistic and rude. Like, in this one, there's a guy, a big dude, and he's got long hair. And this is the moment when he stops bullying Sandler's son because he seen that Sandler could scare Stone Cold Steve Austin. And they say things like, let's get busy, Hollywood. Right, and then this leads to the best climax in any film, dare I say, ever. So all the college lads show up and we're like, we're ready for a fucking scrap. They're all doing flips. Uh, And they're like, you old fucks, you've never left this fucking town, you big pricks. The enemy from film one, he goes, well, this guy over here, Lenny Fedder, he moved to Hollywood. And then he came back here because he loves this town and he loves the people here. And that's Dickie Bailey, the the enemy. And they kind of both nod at each other. They give each other like a bro nod. And I got all goosebumps up my arm. I remember saying to my husband, I was like, like, all of the hairs went up. It was like the scene when Falcon says on your left in Endgame. <laughs> I was like, here we go, we're ready for a scram, all the lads are ready. And then they have the best fight scene I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> There's a, a bully is protecting the kid. The Smurf jumps from the tree and turns Donald Trump blue. <laughs> Timmy Meadows and Chris Rock back to back, all the college kids. And it's like fucking the end of X-Men Origins Wolverine <laughs> with, uh, with Wolverine and Sabretooth taking on Deadpool. It was amazing. Um, you really I I... enjoyed watching this the second I time. I loved watching this the second time. Jared Sandler shows up, stone cold, he's getting fed food and he's just punching all these college kids. Shaquille O'Neal smashes through a Wendy house to defend his his older brother, (laughs) Timmy Meadows, and he picks someone up and throws him over a house. (laughs) I loved it. I think this is probably the one where I liked Shaq the most, maybe. You know what? I know it's not good. I think you're the same. I think you know it's not good. I know it's not good. I had a lot of fun. 100% We Know Grown Ups 2 isn't a good film. But at the same time, like, seeing the full-on craziness is quite... There's something about that, right? It's very funny, especially if you watch it having a few beers and laughing with friends or, or whoever. The payoff as well to the college kids is that he gets horrifically gorged by a deer because of the daughter being like yeah. really evil. Yeah, so Adam Sandler's daughter gives a little cuddly toy to Taylor Lautner, knowing that the deer is drawn to this red cuddly toy. Yeah. He holds it out in front of his groin and sort of starts shaking it around, pretending he's like fucking it or something, I don't know. 
So he gorges his penis off, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Taylor Lautner gets his penis gorged off, I think. They all go round to Lemonsoft's house to eat eggs together and hang out. <laughs> There's also the reveal that all along, the villain from the first film and Lenny Fedder were best mates at preschool. And then they stopped being mates. I didn't even bother picking up on this. I'm not going to lie to you. Now, here's the thing. You probably what, cried at this. I'll tell you when I cried. I did cry, but I'll tell you when I cried. And it was so stupid. What I don't know why it got me. I was like, what would this guy's life have been like if he'd have just hung out with the grown-ups? He might have been quite successful, but he ended up living in this kind of resentful, nasty life. And then, like, Lemonsoft's mum's saying, oh, you can't imagine life without the kid. Sadler goes home to his wife, and then he's like, do you want to talk about the kid? She's like, no. And he's like, right, I'll just talk to the baby. And he starts talking into the fucking babe, the bloody mum's belly. <laughs> and, I, and I welled up, and I was like, oh, God, here he is. He's ready to be a dad again. <laughs> But then that's immediate ruin because he says that his dick is going to pierce the baby's head when he has sex with it, and then he burp snarls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big, the big payoff is that he's finally learned how to burp snarl, isn't it? But also, he's ready to be a dad again. He's ready to make that commitment. Yeah. So my final notes are: the film ends with Sandler's sex scene, but off camera, Sandler can now burp snarl, and he's done it for the baby. <laughs> He's done it for the baby. This film... It's a weak ending for like a kind of fun film, isn't it? The film is all about the day in the life and then the film ends with a good night and that's it. There's nothing dramatic. It's just a day in the life. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. That's true. It is is just a day in the life of these um, four and a half guys, Nick Swarton being the half, (laughs) in this town. I don't know. I don't think there's enough to make this into a feature film, right? Maybe not. I don't know. You do have a kind of good time with it. I think compared to the first film, I would definitely be like, yeah, just watch the second one. Make it a drinking game. Have a laugh while you watch it. It is very... This is a lot more fun than the first one. A lot more fun. The first Mm -hmm. one, I don't think you'd have a good time doing drinking game with. But this one, definitely. It's just like the little details, isn't it? Like Nick Swardson gets made into a dead body puppet for a few scenes where he's like... Do a weekend of burdens. And on the school bus, but he's obviously dead. Like passed out and there's not as many big set pieces as there is in the first one but at the same time the ones that there are are a bit more funny because they're just so stupid i like the ones in this a lot more although i did like watching steve buscemi's arms getting broken the first one is not very memorable so should we go on to our sandler scale yep 100 we should definitely talk about the sandler how scale. did you do on your sandler scale this week Let's just say that the Sandler scale this week that we've done, neither of us did the Sandler scale as a bingo sheet. We made this into a drinking game as we spoke about on the intro, right? I did it as a bingo sheet too. Right, okay. I did it as both. Let's first talk about it as a drinking game, okay? Mm. We both had nine tropes and we drank every time that one of them happened and it was things such as like fart joke every scene and then we had like Mm. actors and it was like every time this actor appears in a new scene... I got eight out of nine of my tropes at least once. I had fart joke. So every time there's a burp snart and then also like a hell of a lot of shit jokes. So there was stuff about Chris Rock's son like farting and shitting. A lot about um, kid shit. Yeah, definitely. Every time Chris Rock was in the scene, I had to drink. Every time Peter Dante had a new scene, I had to drink. Every time Santa shouted, that was one of my big hitters. Kids loving Adam Sandler. That happened three times from my count. So much. Yeah. Unearned heartfelt moment. There was one or two of those. There was a lot of misogyny, mainly from like the early sort of yoga scenes 
that then there was a lot of stuff about how like the women knew how to sew and that they were doing the sort of responsible jobs at home not massively misogynistic yeah in terms of comparisons yeah. to our usual ones not as bad but there was a lot of stuff about like the men being like the breadwinners of the house i think there was also a lot about just men just being massive perverts and staring at women i think i got at least free from just the men staring at the female dance instructor Mm. so yeah there's a lot of that what else did you get on yours my biggest hitter actually my favorite one like this isn't one that i was like they should cut this out was violent kids Mm. i got 24 from violent kids did you write down the number every single time yeah yeah i took i took tallies every time these things happen so violent kids i took 24 (laughs) swigs every time there was a kid that was doing something violent. Uh, the big one here was David Spade's kid, who really, really was a violent violent boy. He's a violent lad, yeah. He, he cuts off the head of a cuddly toy that David Spade gives him, and he just wants to destroy things. He does, except at the end, he loves his dad, doesn't he? And they go as uh, Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates. Yeah, he's become at the end. That was my biggest scorer was Violent Kids, mainly because of that, but also because Greg Feder also like slaps his brother's cast leg. He's broken his ankle. Yeah, he, like, that was slams very it rude. down on the table. Horrible. Also, I had Chris Rock in a scene and Peter Dante in a scene. So Peter Dante was a in lot. 12 scenes, Chris Rock was in 20 scenes. Between those three that I've mentioned, that's probably like two pints of beer already yeah just with the two actors and then obviously yeah. everyone else the um, only one i didn't get was coca-cola i didn't get any Coca-Cola. that's baffling you get a lot of pepsi, pepsi. So they must have had a sponsorship with so yeah there's no coca-cola in this i got nine out of nine uh <laughs> i got every single one i got them all endlessly and repetitively i didn't so i i made (laughs) you sent me a message like 20 minutes before we started watching the film you were like can you please make the sound the scales and i made them (laughs) i made them thinking it was all things that we would get a bunch of times so that we would be nice and drunk for this recording coca-cola was the only one that was a weak one but i put a lot into yours that i knew would i knew would fuck me up yeah so uh mine had poo there's so much shit in this film literally (laughs) literally Literally, there's so much shit. Kevin James, he appears endlessly and incessantly, probably more than anyone else except for uh, Adam Sandler. Logo on screen. There are so many brands in this film. Pepsi, Under Armour. When they go to supermarkets, whenever they go to anywhere, there's a fucking branded product there. So I was drinking (laughs) from all the logos. Big shorts. I'm not fucking kidding now. I'm glad I didn't do a tally because I'd have literally spent the whole fucking thing just doing the tally. Everyone in this film is wearing a big short. Did I give you bikinis? No, you didn't give me bikinis so i was split between giving you montage which i think i did give you and bikinis and (laughs) there's one shot of this film that i can literally conjure to my mind taking place at like the quarry that they all jump into where there's 25 bikinis in one shot i'm really glad i didn't have that for every scene I'd drink once if big shots were in the scene. Not for every short I saw. No, no. Thank fuck, or I'd be dead. Uh, hating testes happens so much. Uh, <laughs> first time it happens is when Adam Sandler gets hit in the... When he jumps into the water. The water hits him in the balls. Um, <laughs> then a sports team cap. Everyone in this fucking film wears a fucking cap. 
cap. I swear to God, David Spade is wearing one in nearly every scene. Adam Sandler wears about two or three. But with sports team logos, there's so many from random extras. Sports team caps are a plenty. You're in. <laughs> this film opens with piss and doesn't stop pissing. There's, there's so much piss. piss in this film. Uh, race-related joke. Nearly every joke Chris Rock makes is to do with race. Jokes about people from Mexico, people who are Hispanic. There's loads and loads and loads of jokes about race <laughs> and montages. This is my least one because I didn't know quite what count as a montage, but I thought that the scene where they're all sat at dinner having different conversations counted as a montage. This film was incessant on tropes. I was noticing ones that I hadn't even got on the Sandler scale. If I'd have had the full scale, I'd have probably got nearly all of them because this film is insane how much it packs in in an hour and a half. I think you're 100% correct there. This is arguably the heaviest on the standard scale tropes, right? Arguably, yeah, I think so. All this needed was a court case at the end and this would be bloody buzzing when it came to the standard scale. <laughs> oh, you're muted. What have you done? I sat on the mute whilst I was trying to blow my nose. So Brad Pitt was meant to be in this film. Uh, he's meant to be in this as a teacher, but he couldn't because of scheduling conflicts. Rob Schneider turned it down because he was having a baby, but everyone thought it was because of uh, like an argument or a fallout. This is the first oh. sequel he ever did. The Fader's House is the same one that's in That's My Boy. Um, okay. One of the frat boys is 36. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is Jared Sander. One of them is Jared Sander, which I have said already. <laughs> Just repeating the same thing. I swear to God, I think we've said that Jared Sandler's in that scene. That's what happens time. when you do these recordings after we've yeah, had like seven drinks. That's pretty much it. So do you want me to read out some questions our Sandler Pitt fans have sent us? Yeah, so we put the shout out to some of our Instagram followers to give us some questions. We do a lot of polls, don't we? Well, yeah, we I'll respond to them on Instagram, but instead, why not respond to them on air in our episodes? Yeah. You know, we've got quite a lot of a lot of responses. I think I asked, what are your thoughts on growing up too? We might yeah. discuss this on air. Bailey Dagnall has responded and he said, it's a who's who of Sandler's unfun friends <laughs> and unfunny slapstick that would have been dated 30 years ago. Now, things like this make me feel really silly because I was laughing so much. Maybe I'm just an idiot. Yeah, uh, I find it hard to think that this film is as dated as some of the others that we've looked at. We're doing this in a very specific way. We've watched ridiculous six and kind of been on board with like the stupidity of that film i can kind of see what baby dagnall's talking about here yeah um reese pickering has said i think it's a perfectly fine film what beard products do you use now i have a beard and i use the one that is 99p and savers in the uk <laughs> because and if you try and buy this one online i think it's called my beard and if you try and buy it online it's a tenner you go into fucking savers mate it's 99p it's well cheap uh you do not have a beard no you don't need one because you have a nice jaw every time i grow a little bit of stubble i stick a little bit of head and shoulders on it <laughs> no wonder it's not coming out man it says on the fucking bottle that's for your head and it's for your shoulders, it's for your head and shoulders. Your, why am i putting it on my chin. jaw all right yeah beard products probably not worth asking me okay we've got a question here from emma tinson that's the woman i'm engaged to oh my goodness what is the plot of this film please someone tell me luke what do you think what is the plot of this Uh, film well the plot of this film it's not just got a plot it's a a sequence of events occurring over the day. It's a day in the life. It's a slice of life. It's a bloody art house film along the lines of Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. It's it's a film set in the day of a life of several very, very unlikable people. And that's all it 
says it is going to be. It's just hanging out, having fun. I think this is the comedy equivalent of when a film like Mad Max, Mad Max Fury Road, the plot of Fury Road is that they want to get some gas so they like travel across the waste and they fight each other. Whereas this is Adam Sandler wants to be the best bloke in town so he will challenge Steve Austin and have a fight with him at the finale but Steve Austin's better than that. I think this is the first time that that film has ever been compared to Grown Ups 2. <laughs> Arguably Steve Austin is the main character of Grown Ups 2, right? Uh, easily. But uh, plot non-existent in this film. Really isn't existent. Though so another one is my friend Jordan Harrison has said anything with the man behind Paul Blart Mall Cop and Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 deserves a lot of praise. Indeed. That's Kevin James. Kevin James. I haven't seen either of those films. Are um, we going to watch them for this podcast? Yeah, man. I think we should just never stop the ride. Just keep <laughs> never going. Stop, never stop, never stop it. <laughs> then I've got a one here from Beth and Nicole underscore, my housemate, yeah, uh, saying, I miss Rob Schneider. Now, she's getting really into Rob Schneider at the moment. Because <laughs> uh, we're watching these a bit out of order, so I made her watch 100% Fresh. There's a very funny Rob Schneider bit. And she's obsessed with that song. She's always playing it. And now she like loves him. And I told her, Rob Schneider's not back for this one. And the look on her face was like so sad. And she was so disappointed that there was no Schneider. A sentiment I don't think either of us share. <laughs> so you're living under the same roof as a Rob Schneider fangirl. A Schneider fan. <laughs> I've heard that she is the founding member of the Schneider, Schneider fan club. And that is insanity. We have another one here from the Girl and Girl. The Girl and Girl podcast. Um, very good podcast about feminism run by someone we might know. Also my um, fiance. I've only got one. <laughs> it is the same as the previous question. She's asked, why do the grown-ups films hate women? What do we um, think about that? Now, I agree. We haven't kind of brushed over the misogyny and sexism that's in this film. Mm -hmm. I think the way that they try and do it is by making the women also objectifying men. They have the women objectify men, the men objectify women. There's almost a sense of equality in how awful both of them are and how awful and wrong they are. I don't think that it's nice either way. Uh, I find that scene with John whatever Lovitz. his name. No, not jo well, John Lovitz. That's, yeah, misogyny. And then straight away after, you've got Kate Hudson's brother, Oliver Hudson, being objectified yeah, yeah. by all them, saying they want to shove their fucking tongue down his throat. And then they're all booing when he turns out to be gay. That's a bit horrible this time they get in there a lot earlier with the women being lecherous towards men right they get in there very early mm. in the first one it, it happens very late in the film that they see this guy in there kind of like objectifying him that happens very late i think there's more of it even than the first film the first film has i remember they had that shitty scene when they're all watching rob schneider's daughters fix a car and then the women later obsessed with a high-pitched voice man yeah these films are shit they're bad and they're really dated in that respect i think and i agree with the girl and girl the first one is arguably it sort of has more female characters but this one kind of like takes away their viewpoint from very early on yeah then we've got a question from Oatman on Instagram, which is uh, my friend uh, Andrew Oates. And he's saying, I've never seen Grown Ups 2, but I've seen 12 Angry Men. And I'm assuming they're the same. Have you seen 12 Angry Men, Luke? I have. I love 12 Angry Men. Have you seen it? Yeah. Bloody good film. And Grown Ups 2, you can't really say the same about it is not a bloody good film. But <laughs> it's up there. Yeah, you're right, Andy. They are very much the same film. <laughs> they're exactly the same. And his question is actually, do you think he was innocent or guilty? And I can only assume that's about Rob Schneider. 
<laughs> I was just about to say the same thing. In which case, he's very guilty. guilty. <laughs> yeah. I'd throw away the book on him, and they were like, "What crimes he committed?" I'm like, "Don't no matter, just <laughs> throw him away." Okay, let's go to our section within a section, and it's the Joe Tyrone questions and section. I was going to leave him to last because we've just got one more from Star Gwall, who is Star Mailis on Instagram, I guess. And she has said that she loves it, but she prefers the first one, uh, a sentiment I do not share because I hate the first one. (laughs) This one is a lot more fun, I think. But I guess narratively, the first one's more consistent. So I'll give her that. The first one is a hell of a lot closer to like an actual film. (laughs) It's an actual film. This one is barely anything. I think if I had to choose between the two, I would rather watch this one though. Me too. I'd rather watch just for the uh, car wash scene alone. Yeah, let's start the Joe Tyrone series. <laughs> yeah. So Joe Tyrone's our music man, and he has sent so many questions to us. The first message that Joe Tyrone sent in regards to our uh, our Grown Ups 2 question is, not as good as Grown Ups 3, but it sets up the premise for the next one perfectly. Ah, uh, classic Joe Tyrone joke. Haven't they written a script for Grown Ups 3, or didn't you say that they wrote fan script or something? I think I told you about this probably like a year ago now. So some comedian, I apologise, I don't know who he is, what he does, or whatever, but he wrote up a Grown Ups 3 script. I'll summarise that for you now. Basically, they shoot another Grown Ups film, more of like this whole, oh, we're going on holiday for the sake of it and whatever. I think the payoff is that Rob Schneider dies and they do a big tribute for him in the film. And then this script cuts away to the real life and Adam Sandler gets an Oscar for this sad speech that he does about Rob Schneider and he gets Oscars for it. Oh my God. This script for Grown Ups 3 goes very meta and it gets to the point where Adam Sandler's then recommending that Seth Rogen does the same thing and makes a script where Jonah Hill dies or something like that. (laughs) So this is written by Tom Sharpling. Tom Sharpling, that'll be the one. The whole joke is that Adam Sandler's then recommending that other people make this similar film and the joke is that, you know, they'll get rewards for pretending that their friends have died and they've actually they've killed them. Oh, right. So they kill him in the real life so they can eulogise over them. Adam Sandler kills Rob Schneider and gets an award (laughs) for it. I mean, that is something I can get behind. (laughs) And it it is really funny. Like, I would fully recommend that anyone that hasn't read it should should read it. Should we maybe cover it in a future episode? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about it soon. It's actually quite well written in regards to, like, riffing on the sort of jokes each character makes because, you know... They've got this set specific character and whatever, but also it adds that real world dimension that Adam Zander's using this as like a way to step over his friends to get awards. It is, it is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Gro- the Grown Ups 3 script is a lot better than the Grown Ups 1 and 2 films. I think most things are, surely. <laughs> he also sent the next one he sent, it said, it strengthens the bond of these already established and beloved characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. More animals get hurt than the first one. Is it heavier in Salatropes than the first? I think definitely And I don't remember, do any animals get hurt in the first one? I don't think any animals get hurt in Grown Ups 1 as much as they do in Grown Ups 2. Because we've got a deer who comes back for multiple scenes. and A bug gets injured in the first one. I think Adam Sandler steps on it. Oh yeah, there's a lot of moths getting destroyed, I guess. Joe Tarone has also, I mean, this guy, he's, he's he needs to get a laugh, mate. Andy Sandberg has a beautiful cameo. He does, and we have said it at length, but that scene is very funny. Strong. Uh, one of the best bits, do we think? I think the best bit of the yeah, film. Yeah, maybe, my favorite. maybe. 
His final bit is: Does does Kevin James rage and punch anyone in this one? Does he does he do that in any of the others? <laughs> well, you've not seen Paul Blart Mall Cop. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> There's a very good chance that he rages and punches people in Paul Blart Mall Cop. Well, that's all of our questions. If we Thanks, ever do this, thank you to all of our Instagram friends and also Joe Tyrone for posting five. <laughs> I hesitate to call them questions because they were Good mostly questions. just statements. They were statements that we barely could talk about. <laughs> they definitely something. But thank you anyway. Thank you so much. And thank you anyone who follows us on uh, Instagram or Twitter or shares or talks about or listens to our stuff. So are we at that lovely time of the episode where we decide? I believe so. so. Before I give you your lovely gifts for your 26th birthday, you lucky boy. Luke Terry, is this film going to drive the school bus whilst everyone cheers and says how great it is straight into our lovely castle or are we gonna throw we're gonna get the dvd and we're gonna sell a tape it up inside a big tire and push it down the hill and it's gonna start rolling a bit slower and then it's gonna get faster and faster and faster then it's gonna bounce off shack on the way down but it's not gonna <laughs> stop it this time it's gonna bounce further down and then plunge into the depths of the Sandler Pitt. Luke Terry, where are you putting this film? Firstly, I just want to say I like that metaphor a lot. <laughs> Lots of fun to be had with that one. I think that it's hard to say that this one is outright bad because there's a lot of fun to be had watching this film. There's a hell of a lot of jokes and there's a lot of banter between the lead actors and whatever, but it's not successful in anything that it sets out to do. The guy, the guys making it are obviously having a lot of fun. You know, they're messing around. They're all old friends and whatever. But there's no story. In a technical sense, this isn't even really a film, let's be honest. Yeah, this isn't a film. This is yeah. like just non-sequential jokes. It's just about 23 scenes of people improvising off of each other and having fun and messing around. Should it have been ever released as a real film? Probably not. I would say that this film well and truly deserves a place in the pit. I'll give it a little gold medal in saying that it's a lot of fun to watch. There's no denying right. it. I want to know, before I say my answer, yeah. what is the Sandler Pit? What is the Sandler Castle? We're rating it on levels of quality, but I think mainly levels of enjoyment so far. I don't know if I've enjoyed a viewing experience as much as this one. Maybe the eight or nine beers is talking, but I think there's something about this as a viewing experience that is maybe worthy of being put into the castle. Maybe. You're not you're definitely not wrong there. I, think <laughs> I had a lot of fun this afternoon watching this. People would have to have at least like eight, nine beers to I'm gonna say truly if, love this. Okay, if you've got your drunk goggles on, this is a castle film. Okay. Mm. But when you take those goggles off and you look at the real world, it's in the pit. It's yeah. just when you're drunk, you think it's in the castle. It's a bit embarrassing. This is a bad film. Very bad. It's got terrible, terrible everything. It's barely put together. The jokes mainly don't land, but some of the visual gags do, I think. I think there's a lot in this film that is very fun, and I was laughing constantly. Not necessarily with it, but maybe sometimes at it. And yeah, this was just a really fun film to watch. Unfortunately, yeah, it's probably a pit film, same as its predecessor. But this is maybe the closest I've gone to putting something this bad into the castle. The standard pit versus castle debate is a it's a good one because our castle is definitely slowly getting compromised by arguably very bad films. But I, I think mean, we know that, right? Is this worse than Ridiculous Six? 
It's I mean, it's a very good question. <laughs> very, very, very good question. I honestly don't know. I think we've lost our minds, to be honest. The thing with Ridiculous 6, I don't know how explicit we've made it. Probably not as explicit as it needs to be made. We watched that two weeks after watching Going Overboard, which is arguably Mm, probably going to be the worst film that we watch in the whole year and a half that we do this podcast. But I, I don't know. This is a very bad film. It is bad, but I did have fun. But I'm happy to throw this into the pit. Right, I'm imagining the pit. Have you ever seen Scooby-Doo, the first film? Yeah, of course. I'm imagining it as that pit of souls. They're all swirling around. Rowan Atkinson's kind of skimming the surface. I'm very gently placing Grown Ups 2 into the pit, but I've put on little armbands on him. So he's like floating around, like in there. He can't (laughs) swim. He can't escape either, but he is kind of on the surface for me maybe to sometimes pluck out. He's pretty much like Scrappy-Doo then. Yeah, he's Scrappy-Doo. I think we're both in agreement. There's probably films that have kind of compromised the castle in the last few weeks that definitely aren't good by like any means. So we're, we'll come back to all of this we'll, stuff. We'll do our re-evaluation. I think that will probably be maybe more harsh. Maybe it'll be a bit easier on everything. I've genuinely started just enjoying these films now. When I watched this the first time, I fucking couldn't stand it. And now I was just laughing. I was going, oh my God, it's Jared Sandler. It's just having fun with it and fun with the tropes. And if you've watched 30 of these stupid films in a row and then get drunk and watch one of them with some other people, good time. I can't remember oh, yeah. us particularly even pointing out that Jonathan Lofram was in it as Donald Trump. Uh, we did. Maybe two or three points. <laughs> no, when we watched this like a year ago. Oh no, I never even noticed that. Yeah, that ago. stuff would have washed right over us. And now we're coming back to it as, I mean, this is probably a year anniversary since we watched it the first time. I mean, I think it was 20, 20th of March. Yeah, give or take a couple of weeks. We've had fun with it, but I feel very confident in saying that this is definitely a pit film. Yeah, me too. So in it goes into the pit. Ah, okay. So we've just had a coffee. We've sobered up. And then we've also had four weeks off. (laughs) (laughs) Longest break within one episode. Incredibly seamless. We've sobered up just in time for present time. Uh, Yes. So have you got your presents with you? I have. I've got one that's a big box that says, it's for you on the front of it. (laughs) Nice yellow moon pig one. Should I go for that one first? Yeah, moon pig first, because that should be a card and a little prezzy inside. So as you say, we've been away for a few weeks. This is a big yellow box that says Luke Pokey Terry on it. (laughs) God knows what it could be. Sellotaped really hard down. Right, here we go. So I'm opening. (laughs) (laughs) Look how this has been displayed. So I've opened the box to find a sketch of Rob Schneider as the animal, uh, how the animal should look in the animal, I think. I added a new little phrase to the mug on one side. How the animal in the animal should have looked in the animal, Luke Terry's favourite film. (laughs) Quite quite a wordy thing to put on the side of a mug. (laughs) Lovely stuff. Can't wait to uh, have a tea out of this nightmarish, like slightly pixelated mug. (laughs) <laughs> with terrifying picture that you can find on our Instagram. Yeah, I love it. It's truly incredible. There's also a um, an envelope in here. It's not addressed to anyone. It could be for it could someone be anyone. Else. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So this is easily the worst thing that I've ever seen in my life. It's very uh, pixelated. It's a card of The Do-Over, the Netflix original film. My least favourite film that I've probably ever watched. Starring Adam Sandler and Luke Terry. Birthday The Do-Over. Oh, the birthday 20... do. 
over the birthday do over it's just that birthdays above the <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> turning 26 was their first mistake very good they're both in happy birthday hats and you've put my face onto david spade who's holding a videotape of uh, eight crazy nights but you can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> this took me so long yeah this, so you've put so much effort into this adam sandler's holding a present it says may 27th on it for some reason <laughs> Date of release, I think. A long time after my birthday. Have a great birthday do-over. Sorry that this card is so cobbled together. Very nice. Dear Pokey Terry, I can't believe you're now a grown-ups too. <laughs> I hope the nurse don't give you don't give you the shakes, the clown. I also hope that your day is sunny, Kofax, and that it doesn't rain over me. I'm sure that what may Arrowitz stories, new and selected, your day will be 100% fresh. With lots of love, Luke Thomas, full stop. A card that sent straight shit. from the pit. It truly is. <laughs> I think I'm more offended by this than you were of the click one because this <laughs> film really, really yeah, is really the worst. I wanted to get you a gigantic poster of the do-over, but... Uh, it's so tempting, isn't so it, every time? Very nice gift. I'm loving it so far. Yeah, this final gift, I think you might actually like. What, as if I don't already like these ones? (laughs) Yeah, I don't like them. I love them. So this is in a softer thing. This arrived today, so four weeks after we did the episode. (laughs) I'm opening it. I can see that it's a Gildan Soft. It's a T-shirt. Oh, God, I think I know where it is. (laughs) Oh, it is. It's (laughs) the Bona Dona. So you're many, right, I many, love it. Many months ago, you got like a fake giveaway where they were giving Bona Dona t-shirts, but it never came. It and never I, arrived. That's been in the back of my mind for months that it never arrived. So yeah. uh, I thought I'd get you your own. I was devastated that it never turned up. I found out it was because I wasn't in the US. You win some, you lose really some. Sad. I mean, I've got it now, so I'm very this was happy print- about this. This was printed in the UK as well. So what's <laughs> doing this? It's because the film QB Halloween was such a phenomenon. Everyone wants the uh, wants the T-shirt from it, I guess. Here we go. Does it fit? I put it over my jumper. This is how I'd wear it out, I reckon, over the top of a jumper. <laughs> you like hospital scrubs. <laughs> You look lovely. It's a very nice t-shirt. It's a perfect fit underneath it, over a jumper, so very nice. Thank you very much. You're welcome. But the fun doesn't stop there. I've got a quick Sandler game, courtesy of funtrivia.com, authored by doggirl3. Oh, nice. (laughs) Called, if you know and love Rob Schneider, this is the quiz for you. Don't worry, it's not that hard. The average score for the quiz is 6 out of 10. The difficulty is average, and it's been played 1,452 times. All of Rob Schneider's fans have played it at least four times. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't get 10 out of 10, we're quitting the podcast. I have to send the Bona Dona t-shirt back. You have to send it to me. <laughs> Number one, when is Rob's birthday? June 19th, 1970, October 31st, 1963, October 14th, 1962, March 26th, 1972. I could not tell you how much I hate that I know this, but we posted something on like Instagram. It's on Halloween, isn't it? His birthday is the 31st of October. I think we'll get the answer at the end. But I think you're right. Number two, what is the name of Rob's mother? Lorena, Pilar, Phyllis, Diane. It's Pilar. You know, you know. I think we should quit the podcast whether, whether we get out of 10 out of 10 or not. Because I really hate I know these things. You know everything about him. Uh, in June 2001, what movie did Rob star in that made him do weird things? The Waterboy, Judge Dredd, The Animal or Surf Ninjas? 
The animal, I think. Surely it's the animal. Must be. Are we ever going to do Judge Dredd on this podcast? No, I don't think so. But he's in it. Who, Adam Sandler? No, Rob Schneider. (laughs) Adam Sandler under the mask the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope you get this one from a game we had a few weeks ago. How tall is Rob? Five foot two, five foot four, five foot six, five foot seven. I loved that game. You did it in um, like centimeters or something, didn't you? You did it different. Uh, can you make a guess though? I feel like he's five. Is he five foot four? <laughs> That's really Surely small. Not. Surely not. Five foot we six, I that. suppose. But you want to go five foot six instead? Yeah, let's go with that one. Conservative answer. Number five. On what TV show was Rob a regular from 1990 to 1994? Was it Sesame Street? Was he Elmo all along? <laughs> he was the fucking one who lived in the bin. <laughs> He always lives in little, <laughs> little holes in every film. Sesame Street, Jeopardy, General Hospital, or Saturday Night Live? Uh, Saturday Night Live. Surely. Surely. Surely it's that. Although I, I believe Real Sesame Rob Street. wasn't an option. <laughs> what actor was in many movies with Rob during the 1990s? Was it Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, Adam Sandler, or Mel Gibson? <laughs> He's Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump, isn't he? <laughs> 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 I'm going to guess it's Adam Sandler. I think it might be. God, this is a really hard quiz. When Rob makes a cameo appearance in most Adam Sandler movies, so that ruins the last one. What does he say? <laughs> what does he say? Shut up, you stupid idiot. You can do it. Are you okay? <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> Are you sure it's not you stupid idiot? You stupid idiot. No, I don't think it's that one. <laughs> Wow, this is a crazy one. I don't even know the answer to this. Approximately oh. how many movie stars' voices can Rob imitate? About 50, less the 10, more the 164. <laughs> yeah, this one is crazy. Um, <laughs> so inaccurate until 64. Should we go with 64? You've got to be a fucking lunatic to put the number 64 in if that's not... Yeah, if that's not the right answer. <laughs> what is the name of Rob's father? Dave Marvin... Cody or Peter? I don't know. Should we go Marvin? Maybe Marvin named Schneider. his character Marvin Mange in the animal That's after his dad. What a tribute. <laughs> oh, God. This is the last question. What animal yeah. does Rob love, but sadly he's allergic to? Is it a cat, a horse, a ferret, or a dog? <laughs> he, he literally is a, is a human ferret. ferret. Yeah. <laughs> I like that it's just a cat. Like there's one cat that he's allergic one to, cat. and it happens to be the one that he loves. <laughs> um cats they say he's allergic to cats yeah because like he has a few scenes with dogs in the animal i don't remember him having any scenes with cats okay yeah. submit my answers let's see how he did so we got oh no he was five foot seven <laughs> it says underneath rob isn't the tallest guy but he sure is one of the cutest <laughs> rob's birthday is on halloween but he's not scary not much he, he definitely wrote this quiz didn't he Pilar was a former kindergarten teacher. The animal came out in June 2001 and is a very funny and recommended movie. Why is it in uh, the Sandler pit then? I don't know. Can the, the person, can, uh, who wrote this quiz again? Whoever, Johnny the dog or something, wasn't it? <laughs> Funtrivia.com. Yeah, we want a word. Rob is best remembered as the rich meister on Saturday Night Live. Adam Sandler and Rob can be found in many movies together. Rob sometimes is called the you can do it guy. Oh, it wasn't 64. It was about 50. Oh, uh, 64 says, is about 50 in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> and it says Rob does an excellent Elvis Presley imitation. Yeah, I'm sure uh, he does. Marvin was his dad's name. The fun fact is in the movie The Animal, Rob's character, 
uh, spelled C-H-A-R-E-C-T-E-R, <laughs> was Marvin. And then the last one is, uh, it wasn't Cat, he's sadly allergic to dogs. Factoid is, in the movie The Animal, poor Rob had to work around dogs all the time. He must have sneezed like crazy. <laughs> if, if you want to see more of Rob, go to AskJeeves.com and ask Jeeves, where can I find information on the celebrity Rob Schneider? <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Johnny the Dog on Trivia.com. He's not called Johnny the Dog, is he? It was Dog Girl 3. Dog Girl 3. <laughs> you listen to the podcast when we do the Schneider Shack episodes. I, I really hope so. If so, Dog Girl 3 from FunTrivia.com. Please write you in. Are, you're my hero. That was a, gr- a great find. <laughs> I'm glad oh. that we don't know 100% of the answers about Rob Schneider. Makes me sleep a little better at night, I think. What are we doing next week? Next week, we will be watching the stand-up comedy special on Netflix, 100% Fresh. I'm really looking forward to that. Neither of us have seen it. We're both quite into stand-up comedy, but we'll speak about that more on the next episode because this one's gone on long enough already. (laughs) (laughs) Too long. Uh, So I just want to say a big thank you to uh, Joe Tyrone for doing all our music. He's just busking away, trying to make more lovely music for us. Lovely, lovely. tunes. Check out what he's been up to because he's he's been doing some good stuff lately. His song was produced by a member of Linkin Park, so check that out. That's it was very exciting stuff. Find him on Instagram at Joe Tyrone, I think. And then look at his Spotify stuff. Thank you to Luke Thomas for all his artwork and for the Sandler game for the Sandler gifts bloody lovely stuff i mean i never thought i would have a rob schneider themed mug or a bona donor t-shirt to be honest after the letdown at halloween i mean you've really come through six months later i never let it go and best uh, birthday ever thank you very much luke terry for editing these i know that it's your your birthday but you've now got to edit about three hours hours. worth of content (laughs) and most of it is just us repeating the same thing over and over so uh thank you as always what a way to turn 26 If you want to find us on social media, go to Instagram or Twitter. We're on there at The Sandler Pit, or you can send us an email to thesandlerpit at gmail.com. And if you search Facebook, we might even be on there, but we're probably not going to post anything. (laughs) (laughs) So as always, it's been a very happy Sandler buy from me and a very happy Sandler buy from him. Burp snart. (laughs) That's the only thing I can remember from (laughs) that film we watched weeks ago. What's up, player? I'm here for your daughter. What?